Greetings fellow wanderers in the fourth dimension, this is the greatest show in the galaxy. I'm Mike, she's Emma, and in this episode we're going through our worst to first of the 70s companions. Yes, so um, this is probably, we're going to get yelled at for this, because mm-hmm. um, who should be, who should be on this list? I think people could write books about who should not and be on this list. Mm. So we got, when the premise we're using, so 1970 to 1979, mm-hmm. so that excludes Adric. Yep. Because Full Circle was in 1980. Yeah. So he will be on our 80s companions, worst to first. Spoiler alert. Probably going to be worst. Um, <laughs> uh, so as well on this list, we're, pro- we're not going to be having the unit chaps in this mm. as well. So that means no Mike, no Sergeant Benton, no Brigadier. So um, whether or not they are companions and should be counted in whatever list is pretty controversial. Mm. Like, to a surprising degree, considering these the stories were are forty years old, yeah, we're still having arguments about whether the brig should be included on the list of companions. I must say that the companions list is wildly inconsistent. We mm. should just get that out up front because the the parameters used to be there a, a, a companion is someone who crosses stories mm-hmm. and travels in the TARDIS. Yeah, which means that by rights, technically, we should exclude Liz Shaw off mm. this list, but we're not going to because everyone counts as a companion. Yeah. Also, the, the the unit men are excluded from this list on their pros parameters. Mm-hmm. So call us hypocrites, but the <laughs> the official list does not include the unit guys are kind of because they're irreg- irregular and they're sort of they belong to unit. Mm-hmm. They're kind of seen as separate from being the doctor and the companion. Yeah. Even though again, Joe Grant is technically a member of unit who, who but we count her as, a, yeah, or I know, right. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. But this is, this is just the list. Okay. This mm-hmm. is the way it always, it, this is sort of the, I don't want to sort of bust out. This is the way it's always been. <laughs> but, we are the final word. <laughs> we are the final word on who is, I mean, I didn't, we have, when we did sixties companions worst mm-hmm. to first, I think I, I mean, I have a big beef with Sarah, Sarah kingdom being on the companions list. Yeah. Well, I think we ex- we excluded her because obviously yeah. Dalek's master plan is more or less gone forever, so yes. we can't really like pass judgment on her or Katerina. But considering they both appeared and died in the same story, it's um, a little bit more difficult to like rank them because they yeah. never really, like I say, never they crossed never crossed stories, and you know their their time on the show was minimal. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, you know, the problem is by using those parameters, mm. exclude and include people that you would include and exclude off a, the sort of the list that people tend to go by. Yeah, like that. That sort of those parameters massively change who's like in the new series. Mm. Throw that that pros parameters out the window, but um, because if you use them, then because uh, we watched Curse of the Black Spot the other day. Yeah. And your man, the uh, you know the main the pirate guy whose name mm-hmm. excuse d- d- deleted from my brain. He travels in the TARDIS and he crosses stories. Technically, he's a companion mm. by those parameters, but no one would ever put him on a list. So yeah, so basically the list that we are going with today mm-hmm. is Liz Shaw, yep, Joe Grant, yep, Sarah Jane Smith, mm-hmm. Romana's one and two, mm-hmm. Harry Sullivan, mm-hmm. Leela. Mm-hmm. And K nine. Yeah. So that is the the list we are picking from today. Now, do you know what? Just before we started recording this episode, I mm. had this sort of like feeling. I felt this disturbance in the force. Mm. I I have a feeling we've got the same first companion. 
I think but that's the thing. I think that quite a lot of people would have the same first companion. So should we do that one first then and go backwards? You want to go first to worst? Yeah. Should we say it In on a three? shocking twist of events? Yeah. Should okay, we, say it on three. So one, two, two three, three. Sarah, Sarah Jane Smith. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so in a shocking twist of events, we'll go from first to worst then. Yeah, so <laughs> do you know what? But you know what? I had my top three. Mm-hmm. I had a massive spiritual cri- like existential crisis about mm. because at first part, you've got, you've got, of course it's Sarah Jane. Of course yeah. it's Sarah Jane. Because she's, I don't know what it is about Sarah, I mean, when you watch me the whole scheme of things, yeah, like she's very good, mm-hmm. but I think if you're just watching it sort of in big blocks, I don't know if because she, you sort of always forget she's a third Doctor companion as much as she is a fourth Doctor companion because she's so associated with Tom Baker's Doctor. Yeah. But, I don't know what it is about Sarah Jane that caught people so comprehensively. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. mean when you look at her on paper, there's nothing exceptional about her. Mm. But somehow she kind of is the companion of companions. Yeah, it's, it's strange when you think about it because mm. she's she's often like her, her characteristics sort of vary depending on who's writing it mm. because when she was first introduced to the series she was very much like women women's lib and all that mm. and you know uh, and all that sort of stuff but even that sort of like varied and for a time it sort of like got dampened a bit when you had harry on board mm. um but then when he left it sort of like had a i wouldn't say like a resurgence as such um but it was a lot more stronger played um yeah and sort of like her talents and things tend to vary across the board. You know, Pyramids of Mars being like the shining example when suddenly she's a crack shot with a rifle and then it yes. never happens again. Yes. <laughs> um, um, yeah. She's also sort of like, she, like once a story, she will either get bound and gagged or brainwashed or get knocked out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But um, I think... I think... I think it's Liz Sladen. I think it's just yeah. how she does it. She's just so iconic. And what we have to remember is, you know, so far in the new series, she is the only classic companion, only classic human companion to return, played by the yeah. original actress. And yeah. no other companion has had two spin offs. I mean, okay, K9 and Company didn't really go anywhere, but you had effectively four and a bit years of Sarah Jane Adventures. So I think it's, like I say, um, I think it's just sort of, she is just so iconic because when you think classic Doctor Who, nine times out of ten, your first thought will be Tom Baker and Liz Sladen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, like I say, it's a combination of of, uh, Liz Sladen. And I think actually what's an underrated thing about Sarah Jane is her backstory, this thing mm. of her being an investigative journalist. Yeah. Which if you, if you watch her third Doctor stories, um, like that, but they really play up to that background. And it, I mean, it's it's actually one of the best excuses for the companions getting to Jeopardy mm. that she's out sort of you know snooping doing hard hitting, snooping around doing hard hitting journalism. Yeah. And the Doctor's getting involved in it. So. Um, 
it, I think that's that's why she caught on so much is because she's mm. actually a person with a proper job yeah. who does a proper dangerous job actually as well. <laughs> you know, especially in the you know this is seventies England. You know, you've got all unions and mm-hmm. all sorts of all sorts of lots of social issues that an investigative journalism sort of wanted to get his teeth into. Yeah. So yeah, I think that. Um, I think you're right in a way, sadly. Uh, I mean, we'll talk about Harry in a bit. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure when. We'll see. Um, <laughs> in a way, uh, bringing him in kind of handcuffed her a little bit. Yeah. Um, because she was then, because Harry sort of fulfilled, because the idea of Harry Sullivan was that he was meant to be kind of a bridge between what was initially going to be an older doctor, mm-hmm. because Tom, but they never envisaged her casting someone in their sort of late thirties, early forties, which Tom Baker was at the time. Yeah. Um, they envisaged that after John Pertwee, they would go older even mm. than him. So they want, they initially cast Harry to be the one a bit like the Ian character who does the running, jumping, punching people stuff. Yeah. And unfortunately that means that, Sarah Jane kind of got renegated to the more traditional screamy, twisty ankle, mm-hmm. constantly kidnapped companion archetype. Yeah. Um, so in a way, it's it's kind of much as I do like Harry, and we'll talk about him as I say. But um, she, it, unfortunately, Sarah Jane's character suffered a little bit. But once mm-hmm. Harry moved on, and she was, you know, kind of it was just those two as well. I think it, the, the chemistry between her and Tom Baker. Mm was it was kind of so good and i you know i think like you say it is is, in a way it's somewhat fortunate for liz sladen that the people who made the revival of doctor who grew up with her and tom yeah so she was the one that they would always sort of focus in on to be brought back but without liz sladen being good you you don't get that Mm -hmm. so um yeah it's uh it's it you know it's a combination of all these things i think yeah uh, yeah, I mean, God bless her soul. You know, yeah. I think she'll like forever be remembered. I don't. I don't think. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever be a part of the Doctor Who fandom who won't sort of like go Liz Layden, Sarah Jane. Who's that? I mean, maybe yeah, it's, absolutely. Maybe it's like further down the line, depending on how far this line goes. But you know, the DVDs are still there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we watched uh, Planet of Spiders the other day. Right. Um, it, it's thing of like we've watched, It's one of Chuck's favorite stories. We watch it a fair bit, <laughs> and um, it's. I mean, uh, you know, it's coming. But then there's the thing in the info text that says when John Pertwee's third Doctor kind of dies yeah. and it's before he regenerates, Liz Sladen is genuinely crying mm. at that bit. And I dare you to watch it and not choke because mm. it, it, i've seen it half a dozen times and it still gets me a little bit every time yeah and it's she i think she, that authenticity she brought to the character mm-hmm. um that's why i think people just gravitate towards that always so um yeah i think that's i i, I can't see her ever being forgotten mm-hmm. you know what i mean she's always yeah, going to yeah. be the 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 companion that mm-hmm. which all others suffer comparison <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so... Um, second. Second, yes. Who are you going to go um, with? Leela. Oh, my God. I've got Leela too. Oh, God. You know, again, like I say, <laughs> the, the, the top three agonised me, mm. but this... Say, Leela just pipped number three to the post. Yeah. Um, I love Leela so much. Mm-hmm. She's so great. Uh, again, it's that... 
it, it, it could have been disastrous, mm. this idea, this kind of um, Eliza Doolittle kind of thing with the, with a, you know, a savage from a, tro- a lost tribe on some planet yeah. who he goes and sort of experiences sort of a, an incredible kind of future world. Um, it should have been shit. It mm-hmm. should never have worked. Um, yeah. It should have been incredibly cheesy, kind of me, Tarzan, you, Jane, kind of stupid kind of thing. But it mm-hmm. just, it just is great. Yeah. And, I think the reason it works is because it doesn't stick. It doesn't. She yeah. doesn't take to it. She's still, although yeah, she can get like, dressed up like for like Townsend Wen Chiang. Mm. You know, she's still got her base instincts, and it, it, like I say, it just it as hard as the doctor like tries. Mm. You know, it, she's like that's just how it's just her mindset. I mean, it's yeah. it's notable when you've had like a companion such as Sarah Jane, who you know very often became the damsel in distress. The only time Leela screamed was when she was getting a ra- her leg chewed by a giant rat. Which is fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, again, the idea of sort of authenticity of, of someone who's not playing it for laughs or playing down to it. Mm-hmm. It's just being honest with the material. And again, that kind of, I, I think that Louise Jameson worked extremely hard mm-hmm. to make um, Leela... To kind of to kind of skim along that tightrope mm-hmm. with her, and again it just you know she it works superbly well, and um, I think to be honest it, it's probably advantage that it comes in the early Tom Baker years before mm-hmm. he started throwing wobblers, yeah, um, and had to be I mean he had to be convinced that he needed a companion, yeah, <laughs> and um, Louise Jameson kind of made that work, mm-hmm. um, so. Yeah, I, I just and I think there's so many iconic stories in that period. Like say, Talons Wen Chiang, Image yep. of the Fendel, mm-hmm. um, Dr- no, Mask of Dragon, Sarah Jane, um, Robots of Death, Robots of Death. Yeah, that's where I was going for. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it, it helps when the writing's that good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the 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 writing team didn't kind of. It would have been easy to kind of write down to Leela and mm-hmm. kind of make her much more base, if you see what I mean. Yeah. But they didn't. Yeah. I mean, although she is, like, a, you know, effectively a primitive, she still has her own, sort of like, wits and intelligence about her. Yeah. I mean, even, though like, in The Sunmakers, like, even though she's kind of like the comic relief, she's still able to, like, understand, like, slight, somewhat sophisticated economic situations. And, you know, like, yeah. the Sunmakers is, like, the big sort of, like, Robert Holmes' middle finger to, the, like, the tax system and all that. Um, but, I mean, like, even sort of, like, her, like, primal instincts, you know, she says, uh, don't worry, Doctor, I found the answer. Knife them in the neck. <laughs> and how many times <laughs> does that end up working? You know, the yeah. Doctor's trying to, like, outthink the problem. And here comes Leela and just, like, Boink, and that's it. It's... Oh, it's a this fast show sketch actually. That there's that. Have you ever seen like a World War Two one with an unexploded bomb? Yeah. And they've got all the wires out of it, and they're going right. If we cut this one, we've cut this one. And someone just comes on with a massive pair of secateurs and bangs it, <laughs> and cuts the whole lot of wires, and goes right. <laughs> should we go to the pub? That's kind of what Leela's like. Yeah. Because like I say she, the amount of problems with her just shanking someone mm-hmm. fixes is kind of hilarious. Yeah. And I think that the the writers kind of caught on to that, which is pretty funny but mm-hmm. um yeah i just i think as well that 
again, we talk a lot about the we will talk a lot about relationship that Tom Baker sort of cultivates with the person. If Tom Baker decides he liked the person, yeah, he's gonna go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he decides he's not into it today, it, it, it makes a lot of problems, which is saying we'll come on to, I think, later on when mm-hmm. we talk about Romana. Um, yeah, I just, um, I, I don't know. I think it's a combination of great stories that she was in yeah. and just a, just such an enjoyable character. Mm-hmm. It could have been so cheesy, but it really works really well. Yeah. Okay, shall we move on to number three? Number three. Okay, let's see if we uh, stick on the same path. I'm going to say the second Romana. <gasps> All right, we're, we're in separate places then because I okay. put Joe. All right, okay. Yeah, because she moved up and down between two and three for mm-hmm. me, Joe. Um, the archetypal scream and fall down companion yeah. is Joe. Um, but she's so adorable, I can't not love her. Mm. Um, it, I don't know what it is about these companions. It's all the companions <laughs> are in my top three. Two of the three are kind of just married off to a rando who turns up in their story, <laughs> uh, which I hate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, which is the fate that befalls Joe, mm-hmm. but I, I, I think because the problem is you have to remember that Joe is meant to be younger than uh, Katie Manning. Uh, mm. She's meant to be sort of just out, sort of in you know nineteen, twenty years old. Yeah. Which I think you sort of forget a little bit because Katie Manning isn't is older than that. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, yeah, she's she start. She is one of the things that she's obviously got. She's a person of not academic brilliance, but she's mm. kind of like got that street, well, I say street smarts, but like that kind of practical mind that, um, you know, she, although she is, like I say, the, the scream and fall down and get captured type companion, mm-hmm. like she actually does change and evolve. I mean, like I say, especially with confronting the master and being able oh, to yeah. overcome his mind control and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of why... I love her. She's kind of sort of so adorable. And John, it was so the again with the relationships. John put we loved her mm-hmm. and wanted her to sort of be sort of put her at the forefront and help her be better. And I think that that shows yeah. in their doctor companion relationships, which is why that she's kind of so high up for me. Mm. Um, I went from the second Romana um, mm. because I mean, say what you will about Lala Ward, but um, I just I'm much prefer her incarnation over Mary Tam. And it's not Mary Tam's fault. I think it's the writing. I like how snarky she is. She's also really, like, bubbly. Like, she's such a sea change from her first incarnation where, you know, you get the sense that, you know, she's there, she just kind of wanted to get on with the job and then nick off back to Gallifrey. But here she's a lot more sort of, like, up for the adventure. Um, Yeah. You know, it's... and. The, the fact that she's still smarter than the Doctor, you know, she even built her own sonic screwdriver. And there's the, the whole moments where like, he's like trying to like, fob her off with his model. And she's like, hang yeah. on. Uh, no, I've got a better one, yeah. <laughs> let's have that one back, thank you. Come on. Um, and also, she, I just, I mean, I just like it. I mean, also, like, forever shout out to Horns of Nymon. <laughs> she <laughs> absolutely, you know, matches the hand-to-hand combat with um, Soul Deed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
and um, what's I was saying? There's that. There's that. Oh, I can't remember what's it. Creature, creature from the pit, where she kind of gets her own two idiot companions. Yes, I think it's creature from the pit, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's uh, it when you see her like that, mm-hmm. um, it's. I mean, she's. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. She's kind of low down on my list, Romana too. Um, yeah. Because for me, um, I understand. I mean, I, why I agree with everything you're saying. I think for me, she's a little bit hampered with the whole Tom Baker situation. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I see what you mean. I see what you're getting at with that one. Yeah, especially like you say, horns and nine on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's fine when. I mean, the amount of TV or sports or things where people don't like each other. That's just work. Mm-hmm. You can't like all of the people all of the time. This no. is this is this is life. Yeah. But when you're watching an episode and Tom Baker won't make eye contact with her and it's obvious. Yeah. To me, it, it, even though these stories are say 30, 40 years old, mm-hmm. it always kind of you know the ones that are good and the um, ones that are bad. And when you've mm-hmm. got a person like Tom Baker who is so the stories especially his later ones live or die on when on if he can be not if he can be bothered mm-hmm. but if he's if he's sort of into the story and if he if he understands what the companion's doing there and this person's doing there and mm-hmm. is he allowed to sort of improv a little bit and are they going to tolerate that and if they told him no is he going to throw a strop and all this mm-hmm. sort of thing uh, as much as you'd like to leave that behind and just watch an episode yeah you you, you, you can't kind of because... can't yeah, it's so bleedingly obvious. Yeah, on the screen but if you watch. take, yeah, I mean, if you take something like the X Files, for instance, yeah. where purportedly Jim and Anson, David Duchovny, for long periods of that episode, that series did not get on at all, mm. and how much they did or didn't is very much up for debate. But it never shows on the on the screen ever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I mean, I've watched those episodes a bajillion times, and <laughs> never do I think, oh, they don't like each other today. They can't mm. be bothered. It, but. When you're watching, especially later Tom Baker's and the mm-hmm. ones he doesn't care, or yeah. they've had a row and they're not talking to each other, mm-hmm. um, it it takes away from her. It's not her. F- I mean, to, I don't want to say it's not her fault, but it kind of is because it's their, yeah. it's their crappy relationship that's mm-hmm. that's on the screen. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, I think. So, although you know, we we do give Tom Baker some stick. For you know his behaviour, I think Lala Ward was just. I think they were just that sort of couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah they were just that sort of couple. But unfortunately, this is this is job. You have to mm-hmm. be pro Perfect. about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, if you can't if you can't keep it off the screen, then you need to have a word. Yeah. And you know, I don't want to say. I mean, I know it sounds like it's slating Tom Baker, but it is his fault. Yeah. As much as it is hers, and so there's. You, it, it does factor into it, I, mm. I think, and it's not even like, even when I was just watching, like the first time I watched these, you just even if you're not like going, oh whatever, even when someone doesn't tell you, you just, you can just tell. being a person, you can tell, you mm-hmm. just pick up on their body language. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of why she ended up kind of further down my, sort of quite far down my list mm. because, um, it you know, it's not all her, but yeah. it takes two to tango, and they. They had, they should have sorted things out or mm. found a way to work to to make it work, yeah. Um, rather than sort of let the story suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, and as well, I think with Romana one, she does kind of suffer from that kind of just fatigue that kind of set into the the show mm. in in sort of the dog days of Tom Baker's um, 
run. Mm-hmm. Like I say, the, 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 we, we, we might do eSpace, but I think when by the time you get to like the eSpace trilogy, um, when she's sort of going, I think that the, the production is so knackered by that point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but at the same time, you've still got when things are firing on all sides. When, got... when they work, they're brilliant. Oh, yeah, I mean, like City of Death. Yeah, exactly. Sort of I like, mean, uh, yeah, even like um, Lala Ward, and that's just great when she's like having this, like when she's just like taking these sort of very sort of, like bitchy sideswipes at the character of Duggan. I mean, yeah. he kind of deservedly so because he's a bit of a like a clown. But Fuck, yeah. yeah, because I mean, this what was it? It's his. Um, oh, you, you know, he can't. You, you can't expect to make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. She said, "Well, if you were trying to make an omelet, I'd find like a." few broken you know, plates of crockery a kitchen on fire and the sh- an unconscious chef <laughs> yeah she does i mean yeah i was gonna say she does that snark kind mm-hmm. of very well and i think that that in the good times that bounces off tom baker's doctor quite well mm-hmm. um and she's she's kind of like you say she's intelligent enough and she's written well enough that she can carry the st- story for kind of whole chunks without any help yeah which i think is an underrated attribute in a companion Mm because not all of them can do it yeah um i mean not to mention like she effectively got her own spin-off with big finish with the gallifrey audio series and that was like what five six series worth of uh audio plays yeah so yeah i mean ostensibly she's i mean there's there's whole swathes of doctor who things where she is the president of gallifrey mm. so uh you know not the all just the audios i mean there's books and stuff like that so her character is, has liz don and it's that incarnation as well there's not mm-hmm. like a you know I, I don't know if if she's ever regenerated i think she might have done but I think, yeah i think in the book she did yeah 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 i think she regenerates in the books but it's mostly that incarnation of her as well so yeah it's um it's uh it, i was gonna say uh, for me she's a lot you know there's a lot of mixed feelings about her um but when when it's good she's very good i'm not yeah. gonna take that away from her um yeah my number four was joe grant uh okay so i had i had romana one in the number four okay. um i kind of i mean we we did the whole um we did the whole key to time mm-hmm. and we you know we gave mary tam mixed reviews yeah but for me, I like her the Romana one relationship with Tom Baker's Doctor more than I do Romana two. Right. Okay. Uh, for me, I just I say that snark is still there, but there was that kind of little bit of naivety and mm-hmm. kind of arrogance about the kind of changes as the the show goes on, which I kind of liked. And um, I think mostly as well, it's because her kind of you know that's it that's it yeah you're right there's that thing of like she's she's there to do a job and then go home to gallifrey mm-hmm. but then the her, she kind of changes i think which i liked yeah. quite a lot um but yeah i just kind of like that um that kind of the intellectual superiority to to our our <laughs> our, uh, our doctor and she kind of gliding through these things with kind mm. of this sort of hilarious kind of like what the fuck you know you peasants that is quite funny to me <laughs> it, it does make me laugh so mm. i kind of got quite a soft spot for that romana i, I wish there'd been more of her mm. really, truly because i think if she had a second series you know if she'd done it instead of um lala ward Mm-hmm. Um, I would have been, you know, I'm excited to think where that Romana would have gone and mm. what Mary Tam would have done with it. But I just, as well, I really like Mary Tam. So, yeah, that's yeah. why she's kind of snuck into number four for me. That's fair enough. With Joe, I, yeah, I take everything on board that you said. I don't know what, mm. I'm, I'm, it's kind of hard to sort of, like, 
rationalise why I put her in that spot. Because I think yeah. her and Romana could have easily been swapped. Changed. Right. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I, again, it's difficult because it's like, it, it's just, occasionally, like, whenever we do this, sometimes it's just a gut feeling. Like, yeah. I just happen to prefer the second Romana just slightly over Joe Grant. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, I mean, yeah. you, you, you're absolutely right in what you say, you know, even the bits where she starts to stand up to the master. It's, like, great, you know? And, um, you know, yeah, she's the screamer and she's a bit clumsy and all that. But, you know, I mean, the, the fact that she's an escapologist and um, things like that, and she can, like, hold her own. Mm. Um, I mean, not as much as, like, Leela was able to. But, you know, I... Yeah, I feel kind maybe of bad it's, maybe now. It's, no, don't feel bad. I think that for me as well, that's the Romana. The Romana decision was in purely instinctual on my thing. Mm-hmm. I wonder if for people, I like Joe. I think because she's kind of all of us as well. Yeah, she's kind of you know doofy and fucks things up mm-hmm. and you know reacts on a gut instinct where maybe she shouldn't have done. And yeah. I think the companions can kind of fall into this trap of being like you say, when Sarah in Pyramids of Mars, when Sarah Jane is suddenly a crack shot, mm-hmm. it's like, sometimes these companions kind of summon skills out of nowhere where you think, yeah. Um, oh, okay. That's just sort of story convenience. But apart from be apart from escapology, mm-hmm. which I think, you know, magic and stuff, there are people, there are plenty of people in the streets who could, you know, pull off a car trick and, mm-hmm. you know, break out of a pair of handcuffs they really had to and things like that. So mm-hmm. I think that it's not an unreasonable backstory. I think that's maybe why I kind of like her because she's, she, you, you sort of feel like a bit like her confronted, just an ordinary person off the street who got a job because her uncle got her in. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, it's sort of crappy A-levels who's sort of blagging along a little bit, mm-hmm. um, sort of confronted with extraordinary situations that yeah. she, she kind of reminds us, reminds us of all of us, if you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so number five. Number five, um, Harry. Okay. I think it's probably because I just think, uh, like I said, I I don't want to take away from what I said that I think sorry, um, Harry's introduction Mm -hmm. with between Sarah Jane and the Doctor kind of doesn't help Sarah Jane's character, but him himself, Mm -hmm. I think is. You know, he's incredibly basic. Yeah. You know, basically nothing about Harry. He's like he's a, he's a he's a doctor, like he's a navy doctor, who kind of gets thrown into the. It's a bit like Ian, actually. Mm. He gets well, he, he was written that way. He gets thrown into this situation, and his his reaction to most things is oh okay, and then he's kind of just carrying on with it. Yeah. Um, but I think because it's this thing between him and Sarah Jane of mm-hmm. you know he keeps calling her old girl and he she doesn't like it and all this sort of thing and yeah. the doctor just treats he the doctor treats him really shitly but it's kind of not mean it's just funny yeah. it, to me you know Harry Sullivan is imbecile and yeah. Harry here is only qualified to work on sailors a line which my dad cracked up at <laughs> uproariously when I was watching it with him once um so yeah it's um I, he, he he is the most basic kind of cardboard cut out mm. just a bloke but yeah. i think because of the way that he interacts with the other two mm-hmm. i mean the arc in space for me is is kind of perfect for that mm. um watching all three of them go to work so yeah i just kind of got like i say it's just an instinctual kind of soft spot i have for him mm. um my number five is k9 oh okay okay um and it's, again, it's just sort of like 
like sort of the iconography of seventies Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's sort of like in the middle of the list because when you know things worked and you had John mm. Leeson voicing him, great. Mm-hmm. When it didn't really work and you had um, um, David Brealy, was it who yeah. voiced him for a little while? Uh, not so much. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, for all the props sort of somewhat crapness like it wouldn't go like in the direction that you wanted it to or it could only make like right hand turns or you know um you have to be like dragged along with a bit of string on brighton beach mm. um i don't know there's something just so appealing about him like yeah. um and, and again the fact that you know, he's been back several times saying hence you know mm. Canine and Company, um, School Reunion, The Sarah Jane Adventures, even though, you know, Sarah Jane Adventures, it was mostly, like, sidelined. Yeah, um, it was mostly floating in space in a cupboard. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, when you have, like, so, there are, like, certain stories where he really does actually manage to kick some ass. I mean, Pirate Planet, mm. you know, is is strapped with Polyphase Avatron, you know, although it's not great, but, you know, it's like, yes, go on. You know, go for it, little dude. And I think even like, you know, stories like Full Circle, he even gets his own little light motif for the bits where he's like <laughs> schlepping around doing his thing. Um, but yeah, again, it's it's sort of the iconography. And like, he's, like I say, he does get placed a little bit lower because, you know, he wasn't, you know, entirely perfect. Um, but. You know, I mean, it's K9, it's a tin dog. Everybody loves K9. Yay! Everyone loves K9, but I, I, I spoiler alert, you like him more than I do, and I think Fair that enough. that is, that is, I, I, I think the whole time that we've been doing this show, I think that not that it's a major point of difference between us, but I, I don't, I don't know if it's because I didn't like grow up with him. I mean, because obviously mm. I watched Doctor Who, kind of not very much as a kid. It was only when I was like a teenager that I got into Doctor Who. Yeah um when sort of when it was on uk gold so i was kind of like 14 15 when mm. i was first watching episodes with k9 in it and i think because i didn't see him as a, a little kid like 10 years earlier mm. or you know a few years less than that maybe i don't kind of have that kind of warm fuzzy feeling towards k9 that yeah. i think a lot of people do um uh, chuck is but chuck fucking loves k9 <laughs> And well, um, I don't. I mean, you know, not to sort of like get into gender roles. No, maybe he's, he's just like a boys thing. Yeah, I think maybe he could be a boys toy. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I mean, we're we're the same age, so yes. yeah, we we both got into Doctor Who roughly the same time when it wasn't on air. Yeah. Um, mm. I mean, I didn't have like Sky or anything, so I never got to like really watch it on UK Gold. So my sort of like exposure to um doctor who came through like the video cassettes and stuff mm. but i don't know what it is about k9 it just sort of like latched onto him but, i mean yes like i say he's not perfect but you know considering at the time he probably would have been you know pretty you know kind of not like i'd say cutting edge tech but yeah the it's... fact that they were trying to do something along this vein yeah sort of, i think it... that's kind of like where i sort of like stand on him it's like not perfect, but you know, I take my hat off them for having a go. Oh God, yeah, I would never take away from the ambition of mm-hmm. 
putting and especially the amount of work that they have canine doing these episodes yeah um you can't you can't take away one iota from the production team um but yeah i just think it's because i i, I just kind of didn't kind of can i mean although i watch episodes and i I really enjoy it when he's in it and he's like you say when he's working and you know <laughs> he's kind of snarking at other people and this sort of thing he's extremely enjoyable but i think it's just a bit like for me if you if you look back on something from that i sort of regard holding extremely high esteem so saying like Chris, uh, for nightmare mm-hmm. right which i remember i was sitting and watching something with my dad and my dad never saw it because I mean, he was at work while i was home watching it mm-hmm. and he said this must have been it must have been incredible to you watching this growing up mm-hmm. and i have kind of such a rose tinted view of nightmare mm. that you can't ever you can point out how shit it is all day long yeah. I, it bounces off me eh? i don't care it's so it was it's such an integ- integral part of me growing up mm. and i think that you you k9 is kind of in that same space for a lot of people mm. and i would never take that away from anybody yeah. but for me i think part of because i kind of lack that i i've never really connected to K9 in the same way that I think a lot of people have mm. so yeah I don't know you, you might be well right it, maybe because it is a bit of a you know it's sort of more a boys thing I don't know mm. um, and I didn't sort of connect to it in that way that maybe I connected to the, some of the female companions mm. um, so yeah I mean I think that might be a va- yeah that's a valid point but uh, yeah um, that's why K9 is, is going to be not my list um, so shall we move <laughs> shall we move on to the next one Number six. Um, for me, it's the first Romana. Um, okay. And don't get me wrong, I love Mary Tam, and I think her Romana was great, and I think it's more sort of like, it was a shame we didn't get more of it, like you said. Yeah. Um, I mean, I liked the armchair psychology bit. Mm. Um, um, I don't know, I think, like I say, I, I, the, the, peop- the characters who are like lower down on my list... Um, more, they're more because they didn't have like as much screen time as the ones near the top of the list, so it was hard to just like form an attachment to them. Yeah. Um, and sort of like you sort of like left with wondering what could have been. Mm. Um, but I mean, like I said, I I I'm not like slamming Mary Tam or anything, but I just kind of wish there'd been a bit more of her. And maybe she's like, yeah. I mean, like the the whole. I mean, like I said, she did like defrost a lot over the course of her tenure. But I think it would have been nice to have like her, you know, been a little bit more for the adventure. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, it does. I mean, I think partially my rating is, you know, that there is a element of what she might have been as to what she what as opposed to what she was. Mm-hmm. You know, to be if I'm completely holding my hands up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I can't. You know, I wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to slate that position. And like I say, it's not entirely Mary Tam's fault. No. She's not, I mean, the problem is you've got a small sample size and she's not always brilliant in the small sample size. That's, yeah. And yeah, that's, that's that, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, who have you got? Uh, six, it's Liz Shaw. All right. And, you know, it's not her fault mm-hmm. at all. It's not Caroline John's fault that she's no. down here. But problem is, it's again, it's that sort of chemistry thing. It's that early do- Doctor awkwardness. She's the one who kind of gets landed with breaking in the third Doctor. Yeah. And he's quite different in Series 7 than he is much later. When he sort of, when he gets to Joe and he softens up quite a lot. Mm-hmm. In in these, I mean, you've got long stories as well, mm. which don't help. Yeah. Um, 
So I say you got sort of long seven parters, mm-hmm. which kind of drag in the middle, and unfortunately they they just didn't know what to do with someone like Liz, who is meant to be intellectually on the same not the same level, but in in the same ballpark as the mm-hmm. Doctor. So they they never really got a hold of that. Yeah, unfortunately, but the, what Liz does do is is good i mean again you've got a small sample size again mm-hmm. but i think karen john does a better job than say mary tam does with her small window of opportunity mm. and she gets asked to do a lot i mean especially like you've got things like inferno where she has to play a whole different character again mm-hmm. um like you know bizarro world is sure <laughs> um so i'll say it's not her fault but i mm. think that it's the production team that didn't utilize her as well as she could have been utilised. I think the character is fine. Mm-hmm. They just didn't. They just didn't handle it very well. Mm. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, so uh, number seven, and I've got Harry. Okay, you got Harry down here. Okay. Yeah. Um, again, it's the sample size, and yeah, he's not like you say. He's not much of a character, but what character he does have. You know, isn't that great? I mean, yeah, he's, I think the idea is they turn him into a bit of a joke because he's got that sort of old-fashioned gentleman sort of like, I say, and all mm-hmm. that sort of... I mean, that's great when it gets played for laughs. But, you know, when he's sort of like... I think it's just sort of like... It's the straw misogyny, you know, but towards... It's yeah. pretty condescending towards Sarah Jane, you know, calls her old thing. I mean, I think... But in a way, it's kind of like... he's Like I say, he's supposed to be a bit old-school. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But that doesn't really fly when you've got... I mean, that's, I think that was the kind of dynamic they were trying to do with him and Sarah Jane. Like, he sort of, like, thinks he's sort of, like, chivalrous and stuff. Yeah. Um, but he's just a bit of a prat. And then you've got the Sarah Jane, you know, rah-rah, you know, women's lib uh, sort of character. And that's the idea that was, like, trying to bounce off one of And, like you say, he is a bit crap. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's about that spinal tap thing that one of them is the hot, well, hot water, one of them is the cold water, and then the, one of them is the lukewarm water in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Harry is the lukewarm water, water in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's, I mean, again, like you see what they were trying to do with his character. Like he was supposed to be like be the Ian type, the the youngest one. But when yeah. you've got like Tom Baker, you know, you know, like doing stuff. I mean, like Tom Taran experiment. Yes, you did have like Terry Walsh as a stunt double for more dangerous stuff. But, um, and it's kind of like, and, you know, he gets gnawed on by a giant Scarrow clam. So, yeah. you know, that kind of, that doesn't help you, Harry. Sorry, mate. No, it doesn't. I mean, I think you're entirely right. I think that, I, you know, I can't, I can't disagree with anything you said there. Problem is as well, I think that maybe if Ian Martyr had been given another go, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's really sad that he died so young. I mean, yeah. he, he died in 83. I mean, he died the year we were born. So he's been yeah. gone 34 no more like 35 years now bless his heart yeah Yeah. so um unfortunately i mean i wish that there had been a chance for him to to come back and do some more and um show us a bit more of what of harry you know sort of years later if you like yeah yeah that's i was just about to say that i would have loved to see him further down the line not like yeah not like as like a recurring unit member but you know sort Mm. of like Maybe it's even sort of like, like put him in place of the brig for Mordred Undead or something. See yeah, what you I do mean, with that, that, that or... backstory would have made ten million times more sense than yeah. the, the brig's backstory in Mordred Undead. <laughs> well, as I, well, 
I think a, a child scribbling in crayon in the back of a restaurant napkin would make much more sense than uh, the bridge Audrey pastor. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's I, again, it's just sort of like, you know, it, it's it's such a shame that, or you, like even if he didn't like start to like grow out of his characterization, like he mm-hmm. like checked himself and think or thought, you know, maybe I'm being a bit of a prat here. You know, maybe I should try and modify my behavior a bit. And all that. I mean, and again, it's such a crying shame that Ian Marta died as young as he did. It was only like forty-three or something, was he? Yeah, he was terribly young. Yeah, yeah. but I'll tell you what: if you, if you're a person who's interested in him, he did. He he wrote some of the best Target novelizations, yes. like by far. Mm-hmm. So I would say, if you can obtain any of his work, his writing. Mm-hmm. Do yourself a favor and get it because it, it it's they're, they're so good and you know he lives on through that almost more than he does being Harry almost. Mm. Um, it, it's funny that you've you've got a male character kind of written with the emptiness and vacuousness that the Doctor Who production team are accused of writing every female companion as yeah. almost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just occurred to me now actually thinking about it that. He is the blankest blank slate, I think, mm-hmm. that they might have ever put on television. Yeah. I think it doesn't help because, again, like, he, you know, was barely in it. When you think he, he debuted in Robot and then he left in Terror of the Zygons. I mean, he did return for Android Invasion, but that was more of, like, a, as a guest slot. Yeah. And even then he didn't, like, sort of leave on his own terms. The big just sort of basically yanked him by the collar, right? Right, you. Get out of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean... You're, you're again. You're entirely right. Um, to be honest, if if you're being brutally honest, the production team on on casting Tom Baker and realizing they didn't need kind of a a kind of what they used to call juvenile or a, you know a mid a younger male lead mm-hmm. should have maybe gone actually let's just eighty six the character altogether. Yeah. Or, but they kind or, of gone too far down the road. Or just like like fold him in with the unit crew and then you could have like you know Bates and Yent and uh, Benton and Yates. Sorry. Um, just sort of like palling around with Harry and all that, and they can like get a sense of shenanigans or something. Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean as well, you you've got, had got to the things with the story that Yates is kind of not in unit really oh, anymore. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yes. So, so you, know. you could you know have him as the Yates substitute. Yeah, just have him pal around with Benton or something. You know, it, yeah, he, he didn't. He was kind of superfluous as a companion, really. Mm. Um. So yeah. Never mind. Um, who have you got? Um, hang on, which one are we on seven. now? We're number seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Romana two, which is all the way down here for me, mm. um, for reasons that I've explained. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just say it. it you know, I'll say about whose fault it is. I I just feel that for me, it, it's a lack of kind of like it's, there's incredible. She, she's in part of one of the most iconic stories of all time in City of Death, mm-hmm. but. I just think I don't think her stories really stack up for me, mm. and you know it's it's unfortunate for all, but she's working with some kind of middling material I think yeah. for quite a lot of her run, and um, I, I think that unfortunately that for me that impacts on that for me impacts on her character, mm-hmm. and um, yeah I just I I have trouble getting past the the personal relationship stuff that was going on in the mm. background. No, I, I get you. I totally get you. Um, and and you're right. A lot of ro- the stories that Romana the second featured in were average at best. I mean, it'll be very interesting if we do get around to doing the Space trilogy just to see like 
sort of like how sort of middling things can like things can get and i think it was just at, like you say at the time um it was, it was one of those occasions where doctor who really could have done with a shot in the arm like yeah the whole like tom baker sticking around for seven years i mean you know hats off to him for like being so dedicated but i think sometimes there comes a point where you kind of feel like someone's got someone's got to pull the plug because i mean especially like um i don't know when exactly it is but there's that point where 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 tom baker got that mysterious illness yeah and um, he looks like death warmed up in some of those episodes that was in the 1980 that was the 1980s yeah that was right sort of as as we're coming into full circle kind Mm -hmm. of era um i say the east Bay trilogy where he looked like death warmed up and you just sort of think Okay, he was ill and he couldn't help that. I mean, mm. well, no one really seems to know what this illness was. Um, it's it, you, you just feel like you wish someone had been brave enough to say, Do you know what? I think we're sorry, Tom, but I think we're going to go in another direction. Yeah. Thank you for your service, but I yes, think it's thanks time. to move on. Yeah. And I think that you want to move on. He wanted to move on as well. I think it was just a case of. Unfortunately, the sort of the the the, the, the long slow decline of. <laughs> um, Tom Baker's doctor is something that's kind of unfortunate. Yeah. Um, and you see it over and over again with things that kind of in TV, things that kind of stick around too long. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's so hard to, to take a thing, a winning product yeah. and then turn around to that person and say, do you know what? It's time to, mm-hmm. to cut it off. I mean, well, look, we've, we've had this problem already. We've had this problem Nary two years ago with Jenna Louise Coleman. Yeah. You know, it's when you've got something that works, it takes an extremely brave person in a production mm-hmm. to go, you're done. And yeah. then have to go and then justify that decision. Mm-hmm. And if you then, if you've gambled in, it's wrong. If people then turn off in droves, as yeah. they like to say, it's, it's on you. Mm-hmm. You know, and there was no way that Tom Baker was not going to take it as anything other than a complete slight. Yeah. So <laughs> they were in a terrible situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the, like, the last time I tried to watch Warriors Gate, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, I, Chuck likes it way more than I do, but mm. I, I, I've never really got, I've never really liked the space as much. I mean, again, if we get round to it and watch it, trying to watch it again, kind of fresh, mm-hmm. because it's been a while. I mean, I watched Full Circle recently, but um, it's been a while since I watched the other two. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how I feel about it, but blimey, there is some there is some nonsense in that last the last Tom Baker series. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, again, like Logopolis, it's just so funereal. Oh, I don't like. I don't like. Cause, yeah, Logopolis is like you know uh, standing around at somebody's wake. Yeah. You 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 know you know this is a dead man walking, and mm. it's it it feels like that the whole way through the production. I've never liked Logopolis for this reason. Mm. Um. And I think all the spoiler. I think all the stuff with the Watcher is dog shit. Oh yeah, that that was. I don't know whether they were trying to like do a similar sort of thing with like they did at the end of Planet of Spiders. Yes. Um, with Rinpoche, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, thank you for that. I couldn't remember his name for the life of me. Um, it's only because I watched it like a week ago that I oh, remembered that. So. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, there was always they always they did have this little point when they tried to inject some sort of supernatural. I don't want not supernatural, but sort of like spiritual sort element, yeah, of, yeah, to the regeneration cycle. It's just like no, it should just be a biological thing. 
Well, I mean, as well, I mean, if you're going to do that, go full, go fully with it. Go full Seventh Seal and have it as like a full tent of death, you know. Yeah. Go and play chess with him on the beach. Yeah. You know, it, you kind of embrace it. Don't have him standing on a motorway flyover and then <laughs> go, like what's that? Pointing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe that, that could have been like, I would have thought that was something like that would have been right in Tom Baker's wheelhouse. I mean, we talked about Doctor Who meets Scratchman for Christ's sake. So, you know, like, you, you, it's up against this, what he thinks is an opponent. And it could also, also could like call forward to like how some of like the new series doctors consider their regenerations, you know, they're dying and some rando is going to take over in their place. Hmm. You know, well, yeah, well, it's back in the 10th Absolutely. Um, yeah, um, yeah, but uh, I, I, I just feel that the spiritual... I mean, this is maybe a basis for an episode that we could do, but spirituality and, like say, when I sort of threw out the question of do psychic powers exist in, in the universe Doctor Who, can you be a psychic, like mm. a full one? Um, again, because watched, we watched Green Death the other day. Yeah. Uh, not, no, not Green Death. Um, oh, yeah, again, Planet of the Spiders, where it's got a, a, a full-blown psychic in it, which <laughs> yeah. I completely forgot. Um so, yeah, it's um, it's, it's it's a topic worthy of further discussion, I think, because mm. Doctor Who has quite an odd relationship yeah. with God or spirituality or religion and things like this. So, mm. and you know what things we would regard as ESP, um, you know, extrasensory perceptions and things like that. So, mm. um, yeah, it when you have when you sort of suddenly you've been going down that road a whole way, and then you've got basically you know this like. <laughs> This sort of weird kind of not an angel or a demon, but yeah, this sort of weird portent of death following you around at you know yeah. a, a distance away. It's it's very odd. Mm. The Lockerplist, anyway. Yes, so let's yeah. carry on, shall we? Okay. Um. So finally, for me, the last one standing. I'm afraid it's Liz Shaw. And again, yeah, okay. just just for the reasons that we've mentioned, like there's not a big enough sample size. And to be honest, mm. that particular series of Doctor Who is not my favourite. No, it's very dry. I'm not gonna yeah. not gonna lie. Ambassadors of Death. Oh boy! I was gonna say if you if you ha- need to nod off to sleep, mm-hmm. stick Ambassadors on because it's I, not exciting. I have the DVD of Ambassadors of Death. It's still in its sort of shrink wrapping. Oh right, okay. it's, I've never just sort of like it's because it's one of those ones. that's like you kind of feel like like when you like collecting series like this, you sort of like feel like you have to be like a completionist. Yeah, do you know what I mean? But it's that one story. It's just like I really don't kind of mm. can't get excited about it. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, I, again, like I don't think I don't. I, I certainly don't like remember because I, mean, I have to be honest. It's been a long time since I watched like stuff like Spearhead from Space and and things. Um, but like their relationship, like the the Doctor and Liz's relationship, is just kind of not that again. Like, like say the chemistry thing and. You know, poor, you know, Caroline John is the one who has to sort of, like, be there to help uh, bring this new Doctor into play. Mm. And I don't know, it's just, like I say, it's not her fault. It's not her fault at all, but I don't know, Liz just is one of those characters and companions that just did not move the needle for me. No, I mean that—that's a great analogy, actually. I mean, she she doesn't 
she kind of doesn't do anything special. Mm-hmm. She is a member of Unit. She is the Doctor's co-worker, Ooh. and she Im- she impacts on him about as much as the person you see in the office every day who yeah. you say hello to in the morning, and that is it. Yeah. Well, she, I mean, strictly speaking, she's not even Unit. She got drafted in. And, yeah. you know, you get the sense from her. I mean, for a good... You period, are interrupting like, my day. <laughs> yeah. And then she just like, can I just go back to Cambridge, please? Can, can, yeah. I, can I be done here? Are we done yet? That's that's the kind of vibe I always got from Liz Short. Right. I mean, when you've got, like, a character, a companion character like that, I mean, I'm sure when we get around to the 80s, <laughs> boy, howdy. <laughs> Yeah, um, um, yeah. I, I think you're you're right. When you've got like a, a companion character like that who kind of does not want to be there, it's sort of like, then why are you there? Yeah. Why don't the production team just go, okay, we tried it. Thanks very much for your time. We appreciate you did your best, but we need to like rethink this a bit. Yeah, but I think that 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 is it, that is on the production team. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's not that's not again, Caroline John. No, 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 again, not not Caroline. Uh, John. She 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 did what they asked her to do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which is, and to be honest, it's kind of like everyone has to have a first boyfriend or girlfriend, and you have to yeah. kind of make your mistakes with that one, and then you are a less shit boyfriend or girlfriend when you go on to the next person after you split up, and she's kind of the bridge it's a bit not in the same sort of wheelhouse but almost like martha is Mm. martha was necessary to get the 10th doctor from row out of the rose funk yeah essentially fair enough and that's not fair i mean to to a point that's not really fair on um you know on her character no uh but she is necessary and i sort of feel that way about liz Mm -hmm. um that you know it was that thing of we want you know like a proper like a scientific team Mm. And some people who are, in, you know, this whole idea of, you know, we want someone intellectually on the same level. And, and you know, we, it worked. You know, we had Zoe mm-hmm. and she was probably cleverer than the doctor hands yeah. down. But, uh, you know, they made it work, but they couldn't they just couldn't generate that same relationship between the two of them. And it comes across as I mean, that's partly the way the the, the second doctor, the third doctor is mm-hmm. their series. They it's quite cold between them yeah. and it, they don't really seem to like have any sort of relationship beyond this is a dude I work with mm-hmm. in, in a place where I don't really want to be. Yeah. And like the, I think the difference between Liz and three and Zoe and two is mm-hmm. with Zoe and the second doctor, they had also had Jamie in play so they could bounce off each other. It's not, there's yeah. like, there's like a, like a three-way dynamic here. You don't really get that with, the third doctor and liz i mean you could maybe bring the brig into play but you know again she has the same sort of like relationship with the brig effectively she's like you know you dragged me here you know what, what do you want yeah and you know and the brig is is to be honest much like most people at work mm-hmm. in that he's what well, all he does ends up doing all day is putting out fires and yeah. taking phone calls from geneva and the prime minister yeah he hasn't got time to you know glad hand his sort of highly strung stroppy scientists you mm-hmm. know what i mean it's like just get on tell me what is wrong and point me at something i can shoot at <laughs> you know he hasn't got time <laughs> He hasn't got time to to make sure that they're nicey nice in, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. And to be honest, a lot of lot of series seven is 
although you obviously the whole point of Doctor Who is, is solving problems, mm-hmm. but with with Series Seven, it because it, they're Earthbound as well, you just feel like the problems that they have to deal with. So you know, in the Silurians, you've got mm-hmm. like an extremely virulent disease with you know things with ambassadors of death. You got you, you know weird alien men coming mm-hmm. back and Inferno. The world is literally about to end yeah. like now if we don't fix this uh, and things like that. So it's kind of it always seems much more like we haven't got time to be nice to each other. Literally, everything is fucked. We've got to sort it out now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, you're... It's K-9, K-9 yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, again, I feel terribly bad putting him down there. But That's... I just feel like, for me, I mean, although there are enjoyable bits, I just because I just don't really connect with him at all. And I think it's the same, mm. you know, maybe you and Liz, you just kind of like, oh, they're there sort of thing. And mm. you just kind of don't really feel that, you don't really latch on to him as a viewer. I've, I just feel a little bit of, like that with, with K9. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I feel like, although the, the production team did very well, and I do like when he's, John Leeson voices him, mm-hmm. he's a little, he's nowhere near as bad as Chameleon, but it's kind of the same thing mm-hmm. of, he feels like he's just causing problems, mm-hmm. and that the production team just kind of want to put him in a cupboard and got to deal with him. Yeah. Um, he, he just feels a little bit like, Sometimes there's more hindrance than there is advantage, and that again, it's it's not John Leeson's fault. And when mm. they just, when it's John, you know, K9 sitting on a on a you know the floor and po- pointing his nose laser and being sarcastic to somebody, mm-hmm. that's mega. But like when you, <laughs> we've got the things of like we we've got to deal with him. Give him to Lala and just have her carry him across the beach and yeah. say he got wet and yeah. he can't talk. You know, it's just like do better. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I, I, I get, yeah, I get. Yeah, that's, that's I feel like good. I feel, I feel so mean. I hope Chuck never listens to this. He, we, I mean, I'm in the doghouse if you know, literally, <laughs> if go. if he ever hears that, yeah. Boom. boom. Uh, <laughs> so on that note, mm-hmm. um, let us know your thoughts. You can email us at greatestshowatsimplesyndicated.com. You can tweet us at greatestshowpod, or you can visit our Facebook page, facebook.com/greatestshowpodcast. Whilst you're listening to us, feel free to check out our sister shows on the network. Simply Syndicated Movie News, Atomic Trivia War 9000, Masters of None, Do Ask, Do Tell, Bat Channel 66, Here Goes Nothing, Tech It or Leave It, The Seventh Chevron, Little Pot of Horrors, Ray Guns and Go-Go Boots, Nerd Hurdles, Making Sense with Richard Smith, The Greatest Events in Sporting History, For Those About to Rock, Dangerously Unprepared, Starbase 66, and Simply Syndicated Gaming News, of which McCall is uh, part of. Hello there. Hello. Uh, as always, we welcome your support, and the best way you can help us out is by subscribing to Simply Everything. For a monthly fee of just £6, you can enjoy a library of podcasts from the archives of Simply Syndicated, as well as episodes of the exclusive to Simply Everything shows Shaken Not Stirred, and the remote control spin-offs Oh Boy and Trust No One. Simply mm. Syndicated also runs a merchandise store offering apparel and accessories to both Europe and America. You can also support the network through a monthly pledge on Patreon, or you can donate to the network through paypal.me, of which links to both are on the bottom of the website. So with that being said, thank you very much, Emma. Thank you, Mike. And until next time, take care and bye-bye.